0: Charles Spurgeon wrote a book on the life of David, and this is what he said. Learn from this, dear brethren, that the best of men need to be always on the watch, lest in some sudden temptation they should be carried off their feet. You may fancy that you have no occasion to fear certain forms of temptation, but you do not know what you may do. The wall of resolution may be strong in one particular wind, but let the wind only blow from another quarter, and the wall may speedily fall. You may think yourself to be strong, simply because, as yet, you have not been tested and tried, as you will be sooner or later. And then, in a single moment, when you are least prepared for it, you may be overthrown." And that is exactly what happened in our text today of 1 Samuel chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles, please take uh, take them and turn to that passage. And we want to look at the danger signs that David failed to heed, and as a result, the damage that it caused. We're in 1 Samuel 27, and the danger is seen in verses 1 to 3. But it is interesting, at the very beginning of the chapter, we see a very, very interesting statement. And you see the delusion that David had, because it says the very first words, then David said to himself. It is interesting the timing that this statement comes. He has just spared... Saul's life twice. In fact, if you read the preceding chapter, chapter 26, it's almost ditto, word for word, of chapter 24 of how he spares Saul's life. He spares Nabal at the advice and the wisdom of Abigail, and a bit of pride sets in, and so he's on a spiritual high, and then he says to himself, But that can also come at a time of a spiritual low. We've all had those times. I'm thinking of Elijah. You know the story. He he slaughters the prophets at Carmel. He runs for his life. He's worn out. He hides in a a cave, and he says, Lord, I'm the only one serving you. It is interesting the timing that the devil uses, isn't it? And at that perfect time, Time. He sets the trap. Both spiritual highs and spiritual lows are equally dangerous. But the trap is so very, very subtle. And that trap is we make a decision from a human perspective. We don't seek God's guidance. We, we don't seek godly counsel from others about making any type of a decision. It's the idea, well, I guess I'll have to take care of myself. The Lord just doesn't care about me. Well, I prayed about it once. I thought the Lord would answer my prayer. I prayed about it once. You ever had that feeling? Certainly. Certainly. It is interesting as you read through this chapter 27, there is absolutely no mention of God whatsoever in this chapter. So, the trap is set, the timing is perfect to fall into a temptation, and then he begins to doubt. I am convinced personally that doubt is one of Satan's most effective tools just to get you to doubt. Well, I'm not sure. Notice what it says in the second part of verse 1. Now I will perish at the hand of Saul. What? Now I will perish at the hand of Saul. You see, when doubt sets in, it causes you, it short-circuits the memory bank doesn 't it he forgot god 's principle, which said i I am in control david i 'm sovereign over all. I have spared your life from Saul on different occasions, and now you think you 're going to die at his hand Doubt that five letter word has paralyzed many of us, many a time. He forgot God's promise. God had appointed him king through Samuel. Saul even recognizes the fact that David is to be king. But David forgets. He forgets the principle that God is in control... He forgets the promise that one day he will be king. And he forgets the purpose of why God is delaying his appointment as king. What? To learn to trust God's timing. I took the dictionary and I looked up the word patience, which I don't have much of. Well, don't laugh. You're all in the same boat, yes. But the definition is very interesting. It says, "Capable of bearing delay." Hmm. Great definition. I have spent a lot of time in waiting rooms at the hospital, and it's interesting to watch people's reactions as they're sitting there. Oh, it, they're varied. Some are anxious, they're fiddling, some are knitting, some are reading or trying to read. Some are outside smoking like a smokestack, just antsy all over the place because they're incapable of handling delay. Patience. Doubt caused David to forget the principle that God was in control, that one day he would be king, and God was teaching him to wait for his appointed time. God would fulfill his purpose, but he had to wait. Are we any different? No. No. Satan uses the same timing and the same traps... We'll come off of a spiritual high, maybe a, a conference we've gone to or a, a meeting or something, and, yeah, man, we're charged, and, oh, man, Lord, I can handle this, and, boy, I, everything is great, Lord, I, I did a great job, and, and everything is just wonderful. And then all of a sudden, he sets the trap of self-sufficiency that says, well... I guess, Lord, I guess you don't need to take care of me. I can take care of this situation myself. Thank you, Lord, but I can handle this. It's no big deal. We'll be coming at using the trap of doubt. Well, great pressures, great problems. We forget that the Lord's in control. We forget the promises of God. The promises of God come out of his character. He's sinless. He's immutable. He's not going to change. His word is true. Will we trust it? You see, it's not a matter of, can I trust God's word? It's a matter of, will I trust God's word? His word is trustworthy because it comes out of his character. Or we forget the purposes of God, teaching us to trust, teaching us patience, to wait upon his timing to complete his purpose. We live in such an immediate society. We want everything microwaved. We want to pop in 10 seconds and then there's the answer. God's not like that. So what happens is the delusion of the spiritual high and the beginning of the doubting of God and what he wants to accomplish in his life, David makes a very lousy decision. Look at verse 1, third part. Nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. What? Saul will give up searching for me, and I will have escaped from his hand. The Philistines? (laughs) Are you kidding? They're the enemy. I mean, he goes to King Achish, and he appears before this king one time before. In chapter 21 of 1 Samuel, it's the same king whose servants recognize him as David, and so what does David do? He feigns himself to be a madman. Now now David wants to live with the same king. And you're sitting there and saying, that is really dumb. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, it was. It was a dumb decision. Of course, we've never made any dumb decisions. But can, can you imagine that if you were sitting there in that room to listen to the scuttlebutt that went on? Hey, wasn't that the guy that killed Goliath? Ah, yeah, some guys think he was Israel's king. I I, I think that guy's been here before. Nah, I don't, I don't know, man. If he's been here before, why would he want to come back? And if it is David, what in the world are you doing here? Can you imagine that? You see, when you make a decision, not seeking God's guidance, it affects everybody, not just you, because he has to go to his army Of 600 men. And David would say to them, guys, we're going to go to Gath. Okay. We're going to live with the Philistines. This is for the best of all of us. Can you imagine what those men said? They're the enemy. (laughs) We've been fighting those guys for years. Now we're going to go live with them? This is crazy. Oh, indeed it was. But you know what's more crazy? The king that God had appointed to rule over his people has now subjected himself to an evil king who stands against God. Wow. Can you imagine what the Philistines said to the 600 men? What are you doing here? And the guys replied, Uh-uh, we're the good guys now. We're on your side. And all of them would shake their head and say, This is one of the craziest things I have ever seen. And indeed, it was. All because David makes our un. Wise decision. You know why? He didn't heed the danger signs. Well, when you yield to sin, there is damage. Verses 4 to 12 in the chapter tell you the damage that was done. And in verses 4 to 7, you see the private damage. There's no worshiping God. Think of the Psalms that declared His Majesty, Psalm 8, Psalm 19. No worshiping God here. No honoring God, upholding His character like you'd see in Psalm 9. No fearing God like you would see in Psalm 2 or Psalm 11. No trusting God... Psalm twenty three, twenty seven. Trusting God's goodness, God's guidance. You see, my friends, when you start that downward path of following temptation into sin, you will begin to sacrifice your priorities. And they become second place. Your desires take over. And we follow our impulses. But it is interesting, too, not only that his priorities were sacrificed, but it's interesting that his personality was different. For 16 months, he lived under Akish rule. And there are no psalms that are written during this time. The sweet singer of Israel has now become a sullen soldier of the Philistines. Hmm. Joy is gone. The joy is gone. But it's the same thing that happens to us. When we yield to temptation, our priorities shift, and a change happens in our personality. Why? Because our fellowship with God is hindered. The Holy Spirit is not controlling our life like He should. We're following our own will instead of being submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. And the fruit of the Spirit begins to take a back seat because we want to follow our own human desires. Sadly, I wish I could stop just here and say how much it affected David. But that's not true. Because in verses 8 to 12, you see the public damage That was done. Here is a true Israelite, appointed king of Israel, acting like a Philistine. He lies to the king to protect himself because the king says, well, what have you been doing? Did you do any raids today? Oh, yeah, 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 I did. Well, who were the raids against? Oh, they were against Israel. That was a lie. David was attacking neutral tribes, not Israel. Deceit begins to well up, and he begins to kill innocent people. The damage? He attacks the neutral tribes and kills every man and woman to cover his tracks. So no one would know. So that the king would say, Wow, great job, David. In fact, David lies and is so successful that the king is convinced and he wants David to be his servant forever. Now, you come to chapter 28 and King David Is in the stage that has been set for him to attack his own people. Wow. You see, the magnitude of the sin and the progression was this it started in one man's mind, and now it is ending with an army preparing to go to war. That's damage. That is the damage that was caused by David's action. The interesting thing is this that same pattern of damage can be seen in our own life today. Do we act out the thoughts when temptation comes? How well do we resist and stand against the temptation? Or do we yield and say, oh, you know, it's, it's really no big deal. It's, it's no big deal. Or we yield privately to the sin and say, well, nobody will know. Oh? When we sin, it affects the entire body of Christ. It weakens the entire body of Christ. There are lessons, I think, that are important for us to learn. Because the same pattern that Satan used with David is the same pattern he has used throughout history. Uses it time past, uses it even today. It comes at a point of vulnerability. With Adam, it says, well, you know what? Adam, if you partake, you'll be, as God, you'll be wise. With David, it was pride. When Satan tempted Christ, Christ had fasted, what, 40 days? He was hungry. When he tempts us today, we're not hungry, but we are maybe hungry for the God of self-sufficiency. I can handle this. I don't I don't need the Lord's help. There are steps that we see that happen. First of all, I think, just like with David, Satan wants us to act on impulse. Impulse. You'll be his God. Jesus, I know you're hungry. Just just turn these just turn these stones to bread. No big deal. Just just do it. And how often have we yielded to temptation on impulse? The immediate. For you see, Satan never wants us to think of the consequences of our sin. Just the immediate gratification. You and I know of situations where the immediate gratification has brought years of pain and hurt and heartache. The second step is that he wants us to doubt God's goodness. Well, you know, if God really cared for you, why would you be in such a mess? Ah, uh, Satan whispers in your ear and, oh, "You know what? You can do a better job." Uh, you know. Uh, you know, you you really thought God was good. What why in the world is this happening to you? If God really loved you, and you can fill in the blanks. Well, if God's going to really take care of you like he said he would, why did this happen? Begin to doubt god's goodness oh it's subtle it is very subtle but the whispering of satan is also very subtle the third thing that he does is this he wants us to act impulsively you'll be his god knowing good and evil Doubt God's goodness. Did God really say this? Did God really mean this? But the third thing is this He wants us to place our affections or our allegiance on anyone or anything other than Christ. You can handle this, you don't need God's help. Trust yourself. Be good to yourself, take care of yourself to place our affections or allegiance on anyone or anything except Christ himself. It is interesting how Satan is described in scriptures, and one of the things is in First Peter five he says he goes about as a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may nibble. No. Seeking whom he may what? Devour. Satan is not interested in your defeat. He wants your absolute destruction. He wants your absolute destruction of effectiveness as a believer. And how many people do we know that have succumbed and lost that effectiveness for Christ and have been devoured. I think it is imperative that we heed the warning of two individuals in the New Testament. One is the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians ten twelve. Let him who thinks he stands what take heed lest he fall and the other individual is our lord himself in mark 26:41 and or 14:38 and matthew 26:41 where he says watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation May we heed carefully those words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you give us great instruction in your word. Commands that are given to protect us. Commands that are given to keep us pure so that our fellowship with you would be unhindered unbroken. But, Lord, so often we do such foolish things. We know, Lord, that you will forgive us, and we are grateful, grateful that you do. But, oh, Lord, I pray that you would deliver us from pride, that we would be absolutely dependent upon you as a child is dependent upon a father, and that we would be constantly vigilant that we would watch and we would pray so that we would not enter into temptation. O Lord, keep us strong in the power of your might, for you are indeed our wonderful Lord and Savior. And our defender. And we praise your holy name for that. And it's in your good name that we pray. And the family of God said, Amen. You are dismissed.